Ron, should we do the clap too? No, we gotta do one. Do one. Right in front of the screen. There you go. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Whatever Floats Your Boat podcast. Billy and Sierra here from Tula's Endless Summer. And today we're talking about catamarans and monohulls. And we have very, very special guests with us today. So these are our good friends uh, from Sailing Yacht Ruby Rose, Nick and Teresa, and they've been sailing for quite a while now. You've crossed the Atlantic Ocean twice, uh, I believe, and and you guys have sailed everywhere from the Caribbean to the Med to uh, through the French canals and uh, a bunch more. So you guys have been on a monohull, uh, southerly, is it a 38 the whole time? Tell us about that boat a little bit. Yep, 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 southerly 38. Um, when we decided to upgrade our boat, we were just talking about this a few minutes back, we decided we wanted our boat to actually go and do a trip, which was going to be an ocean-going trip. Uh, and we looked to Southerly yachts because, one, they're English-built, but secondly, they are really, really well-built. Um, and thirdly, they had a lifting keel. So the ability to have a draft, which is 8 foot up to 2 foot 10, meant that we could dry the boat out when we got to the Bahamas, we could feature we could go into anchorages that are less than a meter and we could go through the french canals and we could go through the french canals so the variable draft and without getting into the nerdy stuff around that the the swing keel in that boat is incredible now from our point of view we knew that the boat had to go and do an ocean crossing its first major job was to get us across the atlantic and into the caribbean now when looking for a boat you need to look to its stability on the ocean. Now, um, for those of you who are aware that, you know, angular vanishing stability of a boat is the point at which it will self-write um, as it as it gets, you know, as it gets knocked over or as it falls down a wave. So the angular vanishing stability of Southerlies is very, very high. It, they really don't tip over and they come back up. And the reason for that is that there is a keel plate. So in the bottom of the boat, there is a plate which must be about three meters by two meters, which is made of cast iron, um, which has a, which acts as ballast. And then there's a cast iron keel which swings down. So that means that the boat with the keel up or down is very, very unlikely to tip over, no matter what is going on. And in addition to that, with the keel um, up there is only a five degree difference in angle of vanishing stability to keel down. So from our point of view of safety, I mean, we, you know, we bang on about this on our YouTube channel. It is all about keeping the crew safe. That's a great answer. So how long have you been on her? And can you give us a rough idea of, or very detailed idea of where you guys have been? Yeah, so we, we moved on board in 2015. Um, and that's the year that we sailed away uh, from, from the UK. And uh, in May of that year, we left uh, Kent, which is a county just near London, which is where we, we lived. And uh, we sailed across the um, Bit Bay of Biscay, down the coast of Spain and Portugal, down to the Canary Islands, and then we crossed the Atlantic in November. And we sailed around the Caribbean uh, for a total of about two, two and yep. a half years. We went all the way from kind of Grenada was the southernmost point that we visited. All the, and I think Charleston must have been the northernmost yep. point. So we did end up in, in the US. Uh, and then in 2000 and, oh dear, 18? 17, 18, 18. 
uh, we cross back uh, across the Atlantic in the other direction, um, coming back towards Europe. And then we sailed in the Mediterranean for a little bit. And we also, uh, then, of course, we, we um, transited the French canals, which was quite an adventure. So we did that last year. Yep. Um, and now our boat is uh, on the west coast of France in La Rochelle, patiently waiting for us to get back to her. Which <laughs> yeah. I don't know when that will be. But, um, but we will be back. Yeah, we'll be yeah. back as soon as possible. So... Yeah, so about five years that we've been sailing for. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So now, in the past year or so, you guys have been doing a ton of catamaran reviews, I think, in, in search for the perfect catamaran. Is that right? And if so, wh wh what what made you want to decide to switch to a catamaran? It, so it, it's multifactorial. I think one thing that we have basically decided upon through doing five years of sailing um the first thing that i think we actually worked out or i worked out is that it doesn't matter how much research you do until you've lived on the boat you haven't got a clue so it's all fair and well saying ah you know what we're gonna buy this boat because i it, i've read the reviews and done some test sales until you live on a boat you don't know so from us living on a boat for five years we changed massively because we went from being weekend sailors and sailors that would kind of go away for a week or even a couple of months to living on board full-time. And as such, when you go to full-time living on board, you slow down. So you're, you know, when you're sailing for a week or a month, you know, you're tearing the ass out of life, like literally, oh, we're going to go and do 200 miles today and then we'll stop, stop at this anchorage for an, an hour and then we're <laughs> going to go and do another 200 miles and then there's a restaurant in 300 miles, we're going to stop there for 20 minutes. Whereas for us now, we worked out that actually one of the biggest problems we had back in 2017 was that we were just going too fast and getting burnt out because this was our lifestyle 12 months of the year so from our point of view we wanted a platform that was better for being an anchor yeah and living on and living on and we wanted something we had a bit of a wish list we kind of slowly came to the realization that our particular boat um, as much as we love her and as amazing as she is wasn't um, perfect for the sailing that we were wanting to do in the future which was primarily going to the Pacific yep. and uh, do a little bit more kind of offshore cruising ocean crossings um, be a little bit more isolated um, spend more time kind of away from I guess you know amenities and facilities so we wanted to be a little bit more self-sufficient and we we're finding it really hard to do that on our 38 foot one hole because we just didn't have the storage space we didn't have enough space to put um say like a generator to power like um you know a, a high output water maker for example so you know there were just kind of lots of um small things that we were unable to do on our boat that would allow us to be self-sufficient and of course 38 foot monohull particularly ours which as nick said before is very heavy we don't really get the speeds that we would like to achieve because we'd love to be able to say cross the Atlantic Ocean in two weeks rather than three weeks so we get more time at anchor on the other end so there was just a couple of um all I know, would say just about that is that the limitation is our waterline length not the not the weight of the boat you know I, there's a lot in the fact that I wanted a medium displacement monohull um when you are trade wind sailing as we have done you know especially across the Atlantic you most of the time are going to have consistent 20 knots of wind minimum my you, point was that she's not a fast boat no, she's not fast because, but but again, it's the physics of the waterline length. At thirty, she's forty from you know from from bow to stern, she's forty-one foot. But at the waterline, she's thirty-six foot. So that gives us a, a you know a hull speed of about eight knots. 
nonetheless, she's not a fast boat. No, she's not a fast boat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we wanted something that was, was faster and, um, yeah, so we could essentially spend a little bit less time kind of doing passage making and more time enjoying the lifestyle. And I think that as we kind of went through this wish list, we obviously spoke first about getting a monohull, a bigger monohull. That was, you know, the natural choice. And then as we spent more and more time on friends' boats, friends that had catamarans, we'd go over for sundowners or whatever, as you do. And I don't know, we just kind of started to realise that they, they kind of had a really good thing going on. Yeah, I, look, from our point of view, I, when we bought Ruby Rose, as far as we were concerned with the knowledge that we had back in 2012 when we had a built, that was going to be our forever boat. That was going to be the boat that was going to take us around the world, circumnavigate on. We would never need another boat. And genuinely, what changed is our coming to the understanding that you buy a boat for the next couple of years of sailing that you're going to do. So for us, having been into the Mediterranean and having been into Western Europe, and having been to Morocco and the Canary Islands, those areas for cruising are set up for monohull sailors. They're, they're, it's mostly marina sailing on Western, in Western Europe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and most, I think that there's also perhaps a slight cultural thing. I mean, um, you know, when we went to to America and the Caribbean, in the Caribbean, there are a lot of American cruisers, and I think that um, the the kind of uh, mentality amongst a lot of Americans is that you guys want kind of a bigger boat you know the bigger the better and uh, I don't know whether that's the case with a lot of European sailors I mean the European sailors are mainly French and Scandinavian and they just don't seem to value that space they they kind of want other other features of their boat so you tend to get smaller boats in Europe oh yes but also the cruising ground you know, it does if, lend itself to smaller boats. It, and it lends yeah. itself not as much to anchoring, with the exception That's of maybe right. the Greek islands. Yeah. Uh, and so, especially Caribbean, you know, when we were in the Caribbean, we anchored for two years. Bahamas, we anchored for a year. Yeah. So, as we're back in Europe, it's actually very difficult to anchor in a lot of places. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so the catamaran choice came from rather than thinking the next boat is going to be our forever boat, it's like, well, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? And what is going to fit that best? And every boat, as you know, is a compromise. And the series of compromises that we were willing to make were to, you know, sacrifice certain features of a monohull for the convenience, the storage space, the living space of a catamaran while remote living in the South Pacific. Right. And th and that's a good point you make there, Nick, about the, the boat. Um, your boat should probably be the boat that you're going to that's going to be good for you for the next five years or so. Because people like when they're planning, they're planning, they might retire in 10 or 15 or 20 years even. And they're planning for their big circumnavigation. But in reality, like they, you know, they could be sailing or, or for that first five years, they're just going to be sailing locally or sailing in Europe or sailing in the Caribbean. And that's probably the boat that you should, that's what you should plan for in that, in that boat, the next five years. Is that advice you would say for someone looking at a new boat or their first boat or? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's spot on because we get a lot of people messaging us saying, you know, what kind of boat should I get? You know, it's, it's a choice between this one or that one. And the, the the question that we always ask is, well, what's your cruising plans right now? And you're right, a lot of people say, well, I'm gonna move on to my boat and maybe, uh, particularly Americans, I'm gonna sail to the Bahamas and then see how I go. Or I'm, I'm trying to get down to like the BVIs and the USVIs and then we'll see how we go. I'm hoping to do a circumnavigation. But 
I, we always say that if that's not your immediate plan, if you're not like literally kind of transiting the Panama Canal and crossing the Pacific straight away, don't buy a boat for an ocean crossing, buy a boat for the Bahamas, for the Caribbean. And then if you decide that you want to go further afield, then nine times out of 10, we were the exception. The boat that you have will probably be fine for what you want to do kind of further down the down the line and if it's not then by that point you'll have the experience to decide what it is that you want instead of of the boat you have now so yeah i totally agree buy the boat for the cruising that you're going to do immediately not the cruising that you may do in the future don't try and cover too many bases because as nick said before every boat is a compromise and uh, if you're thinking about trying to tick too many boxes then you might end up making the wrong set of compromises the other thing you'd said actually in your question, which is slightly nuanced, but I'm going to pick you up on it, is that you asked what you should be looking for in your first boat, as opposed to, or, or a new boat. And the two are very, very different. And honestly, I know a lot of people do it, but I, I cannot tell you how I do not agree with the concept of your first boat should be the 50 foot catamaran to take you across oceans. Right. And I've said this in numerous interviews, podcasts, talks, and everything else. We have been doing this for a long time and we have met a lot of people, hundreds, I would say, of couples that are, live a similar lifestyle goal and have sailed away at whatever age to go into retirement and go sailing. Now, our year was, as Teresa said, we left in 2015. And because we did the ARC, which is the Atlantic Rally, most Northern European boats all go down towards the Canary Islands for November to set off to do the Atlantic Rally. So we met a huge group of friends, like probably 20 to 30 different boats full of families and couples that were you know, quaintly called the, the class of 2015. So come fast forward to 2020, of those, let's just say 25 boats that we knew, we're the only ones left. No one stuck at it. So statistically, and I'm not trying to put people off here, you will not do this long-term. And if you buy a million dollar yacht, you are gonna to have to sell that million dollar yacht and you're gonna be paying a broker 8%, 6-8% a seller, and you may not get on with it. And Honestly, we have more stories of people buying into the dream and it not working out than people buying into the dream and it working out. Now, that sounds pretty negative. Uh, and to put a positive spin on it, I would genuinely say that spend less money on a cheaper boat. Get Learn how it works. See if you like it. See if you're going to get on with sailing. See if your family are going to get on with it. See if your partner is going to get on with it. And then upgrade. So... Um, I genuinely don't make your first boat a new boat. Yeah, I totally agree. And we kind of give the same advice and learn from a boat that you can learn from and learn how things work and then upgrade from there. Yeah, I wonder what your th thoughts are. I mean, I have thoughts on like learning on a catamaran versus a monohull. That's what we're talking about, right? It, it, what do you guys think about that? If you're, just, you know, like you mentioned, you're kind of just getting into it. You're still learning. Um, do you have thoughts on learning on a catamaran versus a monohull? I've always got thoughts. Um, all I would, what I would say to you is that if I think about what I've had to learn as, as a liverboard, and I'm not going to say sailor, I'm going to say as a liverboard, since, I, since we set off on, on Ruby Rose, and just to reiterate, we had Ruby Rose built from new. And the important reason I'm, I'm stating that is that theoretically you would think a new boat doesn't need that much work. But I would suggest that in all the jobs that I do, aside from YouTube, probably 70 to 80% of my jobs are maintenance. And so it is far easier to learn maintenance on a small boat than it is a big boat. 
And if you think that you are going to be at a sale around the world without spending, I think my friend said to me once that for every hour you spend sailing, you spend an hour doing maintenance. Unless you buy a wooden boat, then if for every hour you spend sailing, you spend four hours doing maintenance. Um, but I think that the learning experience for a liverboard is more about maintenance than about, than about sailing. So from that point of view, whether you're in a cat or a mono, it doesn't make any odds. From a sailing point of view, yes, there is something to be said, I think, for you know, buying the boat that you intend to maybe progress to as, as your next boat. Yeah, I think it also depends on the couple because you hear a lot about um, couples who are, you know, buying their first boat together. Uh, they may not have much, if any, experience. And, uh, you know, we see this again and again, and, and it's not the way that we've done it, but it's, it obviously works for a lot of people um, where they buy, you know, the 45, 50 foot catamaran as their first boat. You know, they've just retired and it's their dream or perhaps it's one of their dreams and the other one's just going along. And I guess it's kind of like they're, they're, they're swapping their house for a boat. So they want their boat to be as comfortable and spacious as possible, which is fair enough. So I think that, you know, yes, hopefully they realise that what they're getting themselves into is a steep learning curve when you're buying, let's say, a 50 foot catamaran as your very first boat rather than a 28 foot or 25 foot monohull. Um, but maybe that's a compromise that they're willing to make because they want that big spacious boat to, to enjoy their retirement on. So I think that, you know, what works for one couple won't work for the other. Um, but yeah, as Nick said, I think in an ideal scenario, you'd learn on something small, inexpensive, and you'd start sailing kind of early on uh, so that you know whether it's something you're going to get on with or not. Right. Perfect. So have you guys sailed on a cat before? And if you have, can you describe the motion difference between a monohull and a catamaran for us? Because that's a big question we get asked a lot. Yeah. I mean, describing it in, in words and feelings is actually pretty difficult. What people say is that you, cause you get double the double waves, you know, as you get, uh, especially if you're on a beam C, you get the wave going under both holes. There is an adaptation process and we have found, uh, we've sailed with Nikki and Jason Wynn, we've chartered a catamaran, we've been on a friend's catamaran, um, and we've been on your catamaran although we were at anchor. Uh, I think one thing that we did find, I felt seasick on most of the catamarans I've sailed because I'm not used to the motion. Yeah, I think that that's the thing, like on a monohull, and it is hard to describe, but it's kind of more like, is it, you feel every wave just the once, and so it's more of a kind of gentle swaying motion. Um, however, on a catamaran, because you're, you're staying um, kind of, uh, you're, you're on kind of a level platform, so you're staying quite level, but every wave is felt twice, it's kind of this, I don't know, like... It, it's a strange motion. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a much work. faster yeah. kind of motion. A, a faster motion, but a, a smaller one? That was a terrible description. No, no that's it's actually yes. really, really <laughs> yeah, that, That's how I describe it. It is. It's a faster motion, but it's like qu it's just short and quick motion. Yeah. 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 Short and quick rather yeah. than like long and slow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, so true. <laughs> Are we still talking about sailing? Yeah, so, look, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think I could, no, I, can't, I can think of no better words. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. and, and we know which one we prefer. <laughs> so. <laughs> do you, Sorry, do you, do you get, like, if we're staying on this motion uh, topic, I mean, is, is that something that you guys, when you do find your next boat, is that something that it's going to take a lot of getting used to for you, do you think? No, I, I honestly I don't, and I think that 
it is just the adaptation period. It's, it's you know, even when we get onto Ruby Rose that we've had for eight years now, you know, the first couple of days that we're sailing her, if I haven't sailed for a while, I'll feel I'm more prone to get motion sickness. And it passes. You you literally, you know, you put you you will get used to the motion. So I have absolutely no problems, uh, in, in, you know, no worries about, uh, am I going to get used to the motion? We will do. And, and what about, is there anything else that, you think on your next boat it's going to take some getting used to well i think from a positive the space just the amount of space and i i think that look the thing about monohulls is that i've i've sailed monohulls for 15 years so i know monohull design far better than i know catamaran design and you know when we started these reviews it wasn't so much to okay let's make videos of them i just didn't know anything I knew nothing about catamaran design and nothing about catamaran speed, performance, pointing ability, whole, you know, whole manufacturers, you know, processes. Um, and so armed with a few basics that people, you know, you pick up off the internet and the, the, one of the biggest ones is, well, a boat, a monohull sits in the water and a catamaran sits on the water. So there's, there's, that is a huge thing. Um, in the way that a boat sails and therefore is a, the trim is how the trim is affected by weight because you know you're not pushing a boat further into the water as you do with a monohull we load our monohull up with all sorts of stuff so first is how sensitive they are to weight and the, the way that they sit the second thing is to do with the hull shape and how you know the hull shapes are really really important in determining performance and pointing ability and so when you're looking to these designs, we literally knew nothing about, it was important to look at it and go, actually, you know, let's open this can of worms and see what we can learn. But then the more that you, it is a can of worms, the more that you move into the design, uh, learning about the design, the more you think actually, well, you know, this has got, you know, this is a, the hull profile, but now we need to look at the nacelle shape. And then we need to look at other parts of it. And we need to look at, you know, the pointing ability of it and you know then there's the whole thing of dagger boards and then something else comes up and something else comes up and then all of a sudden you're like wow um so yeah what are your thoughts on this yeah i, I think that yeah i do think that there'll be an adjustment but i think it'll be an adjustment for the better uh i think that there you know there'll be new systems that we have to learn we'll have to i mean every boat that you buy if we bought another minor hole it would still be a learning curve um so i think that it, there's going to be a learning curve for sure but it's i think it's something that we're both quite looking forward to to be honest i am yeah i mean look our choice to go to catamaran is it, it it's it, it, it wasn't just a, you know we didn't just wake up one morning and go okay let's buy a catamaran it, we did actually sit down and do a lot of work about it and do a lot of research for our own benefits and i think that our starting point for firstly do we go mono or cat was going to be how long are we going to take how long do we want to to do what we want to do over the next five years you know in five years of sailing which is about as long as we can realistically plan what do we want to achieve in that now we have friends that did about one and a quarter circumnavigations in 15 months. Um, they literally, they, they, they were given two years off work and they just, they tore the arse out of it. Literally sailed across the Atlantic one way, sailed back across the Atlantic the other way and then did a full circumnavigation. Now, if we were gonna do that, then a monohull would definitely be the way we wanted to go. A longer, longer waterline monohull, probably a catch because inherently it's cheaper. We know, we understand more about monohull shapes, but as we decided, well, we're not in any rush. Let's take five years and in five years, if we can get the boat from, you know, wherever we pick her up to 
Australia through the South Pacific, we'll consider that to be a win. And then after that, we'll, apply, we'll think about another five years on the boat. So when we want to spend time, you know, in the South Pacific, probably with you guys hanging out and you teach us to surf and I can teach you to put weight on. <laughs> um, <laughs> so once we're doing, you know, at that point, it was an easy choice to make. With all these catamaran reviews, you've been on tons and tons of different cats. Do you have anything specific that you, whether it be things or specs that you need or require on your next boat? And let me add to this because you can go, there's such a huge variation in catamarans. I mean, you could go super high performance, super lightweight, super narrow holes, all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is a full on like double decker condo moran. And then you could have everything in between. So what what specs, what do you guys value and where, where do you lean on that curve? So for us, it, it's got to be safe. I mean, that that is that is it is the, the first, second and third things we look at in, in any boat. Is it going to be safe? And that is for us, it means safety, shorthanded sailing. And it's not just things like, ah, is the life raft in the right place? Is it going to be, you know, is it, yeah, does it have crash bulkheads? The things that are actually you know, primarily safety features. But there's also secondary features, like for instance, if the helm position isn't comfortable, you are gonna get more tired on long passages. And if you get more tired, you make more mistakes. Uh, and so there are lots of little things that you have to be aware of that really do impact how good a boat is gonna be for crossing oceans. Yeah, and, and, and sailing performance is another safety issue, yeah, really. I mean, it's not everyone likes to sail fast, but really at the end of the day, for us, uh, you know, we wanted something that um, was was relatively fast and had relatively good performance because, you know, you, you can uh, sail away from weather windows, you can kind of route around uh, weather kind of systems. Um, you know, th there's a lot, uh, there's a huge advantage to being able to get to where you want to go quicker um, from a safety point of view. So, so safety number one. And two. For sure. And, three. and, and you, and, yeah, and, and and then you're and you're throwing speed in there, and I agree with you on that. I mean, speed is a factor of safety. Safety when you can get around or avoid bad weather. Um, what else? Is there anything else that you value highly in? What like, you're how about for? like liveaboard wise? Like anything that would make it like easier for you to live on this boat besides the storage and whatever from the monohull to the cat. There is, as we said, you know, performance is important to us for safety. Now. To get performance in any catamaran, you have to narrow the hulls to get to, to, to get that performance, either in, in, in pointing ability or speed. So you can't have a big fat hull. Now, therefore, if you are looking at two identical 40-foot catamarans, one with fine hull profiles and one with fat hull profiles, the fine one, you are gonna lose a lot of storage space. It's just the physics of it. So if you are, if you want that amount of storage, a certain amount of storage, and you know, you're looking at a fine hulled boat in a catamaran, you need to buy a bigger one. So you're that the 40 foot becomes a 45 foot. And so for us, one thing that we know that we're gonna to have to sacrifice is storage space to a certain amount. And so there is a sweet point because we have put absolute red lines in what we are willing to accept for our next boat based on what we don't have on this boat. So there is a sweet spot, you know, we decided we definitely want a washing machine because living without a washing machine for five years, you know, it's... <laughs> 
I'm yeah. Ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no explanation needed. No, no needed. But you know, for a lot of people that don't, you know, that, that don't live on board, they're like, oh, just go to a laundrette. But you know, it, it is one thing that we've said. You know, we we just we just want a washing machine. We right? do. We want a washing machine, and you know, we do want more conveniences than what we have at the moment. That's one of the reasons why we want a catamaran in the first place. So as Nick says, you know, a washing machine. More, more cold storage particularly, like a separate freezer, um, that kind of thing. We do want um, to be obviously very comfortable on board. So, uh, I mean, my big thing is ventilation. I want lots of opening hatches so we can get that, um, whatever cool breeze there is, we can, we can get it coming into the boat. Um, and I think that, you know, good sailing performance, comfortable, being comfortable underway uh, is a huge thing for us. So having the, as Nick mentioned before, the helm positions, having those helm positions in a really good position so they're not out on the, you know, on the very um, outside of the um, hulls, they're not outboard, they are, you know, protected and they're near, um, they've got direct access to the saloon and the cockpit so that the, there's no kind of issues having to walk around say you're on watch in the middle of the night you're not having to um, you know kind of put yourself in a position that could potentially be unsafe um, just to get to your helm station um, and an interior nav station so that when we're on watch at night we don't even have to go outside unless we have to actually you know trim the sails or do something like that so yeah, we've got a bit of a wish list and it mainly pertains to um, safety and ease of, um, I guess, being underway. Just handling. Yeah, uh, yeah so um, boat handling and yeah, just making life easy and yeah. safe for us when we're underway. I mean, just to add to that, I mean, because, you know, a lot of people who listen to your podcasts will have, you know, a plan to sail and probably sail in the long term. But there are very, very few catamarans you know in the whole scope of catamarans you know that exist that actually do ocean crossings with the exception of say for instance you know the ones that are built in south africa that do delivery trips to to the caribbean but once they're there they very rarely go and do offshore trips so 95 percent of catamarans will be you know just doing island hopping or the odd three or four day passage and that in itself you know you don't need a catamaran that, that ticks all the boxes we need if you're not thinking about ocean sailing right and the the thing about ocean sailing is it does it's hard on the boat we have been there we have spent a lot of time in the middle of the ocean and it hammers the boat and it hammers the people as well so from a point of view of what we want in a boat you know there are you know it's got to be safe it's got to be well put together but you know so for instance those um, what did you call it a condo moran <laughs> Good word. Yeah. You know, we don't... Or in, in your language, a flat, flat... <laughs> yeah. An apartment for us. <laughs> All right, thank you, boy. <laughs> Bad job. Uh, oh, I'm just going to sip my... <laughs> bowl for it off. Um, so, uh, but the point is, you know, from the point... Putting, having a helm position, you know, you want it low to the centre of gravity of a boat. And, you know, being up on... Like on a flybridge. On a flybridge. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, you know, it's akin to being one of those sports fishing boats where you see them with the towers, you know, screaming out of the, the, the fishing ports, you know, on on Easter break, uh, you know, weekend. You don't want to be up there. You want to be low and you want to be safe and you want to be protected. Um, but being low and safe and protected is not, is not, you know, what you want if you're just bumming around the Caribbean. Yeah. And by example, we've got some really good friends who remain nameless and they've got um, a 45 foot production catamaran. And it is, it's very rare that I've ever seen a boat that is so well suited to the job that it's meant for. 
And their job is essentially they they sail around the BVIs, they sail to Puerto Rico, and I think that's where they keep the boat, isn't it? Yeah. And every season they spend six months just sailing the BVIs, sailing the Caribbean, and going back again. It's a massive party boat. They've got the underwater lights, the big hulls, they've got the flybridge, they've got everything, the stereo system, the really beautiful grill. And they are absolute that boat is perfect for what they want to do Absolutely. and that's all they want to do yeah and i'm not knocking that at all they are a, a very erudite intelligent well-educated couple in their 50s who are just like enjoying their retirement they're enjoying it yeah you know they made their money doing what they're doing and they are just you know so that boat is well suited so it is a specific boat that is designed or required to cross an ocean I have a question. Feel pre free to say pass if you don't want to answer. But with all of these boats <laughs> that you looked at, if you could have like your dream, absolute dream boat, money, time, nothing was an issue, what is dream boat? Oh, now I'm going to have to choose my words very carefully because we are lucky enough to be designing or helping with the design of this dream boat. So, you know it is no secret that we are working with a manufacturer to take everything that we wanted from a catamaran, take a design that they had on the drawing board and integrate all those things. And maybe we can say a top three though. Top three. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, you of, go. of the boats that we saw that might, that might top three features of all the boats. No top three boats, our top three favorite boats that we. Okay. Saw. Um, so, do you actually want manufacturers? Do you want us to spill the beans well, on manufacturers? Well, why don't you, if you're going to go top three, yeah, why don't you say, because you mentioned that you're working on design something else that's not out there. Is that right? Or, right. Or yeah. yeah, so it's, yeah. we're working. Yeah, so why don't you say your, your uh, top so, three that are out there? Yeah. Okay, so the three that are out there, I would say in no particular order, um, Ultramar 51. I really like the French designs. I think that they that boat is very well built. It has got a true, a proven track record. Um, it's very beautiful. It's very beautiful inside. Mm. It would take you around the world safely. And I was privileged enough to be able to test sail the Ultramar 51, and the damn boat flies. Like literally, we were doing ten knots in 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 ten knots of, of winds. That it's an amazing boat. That's 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 somewhere in the top three. Therese, yeah. what would you put in there? Well, I love the Sea Wind sixteen hundred. Yep. Um, which is another fifty, I think, two foot sixteen meters anyway. Um, catamaran. Um, again, very similar to the Ultramar fifty one. Really, um, very beautiful. Um, quite big dagger boards, performance based. Um, really lovely, spacious boat. And yeah, let's hang on. Oh, the the sixteen hundred, the Sea Wind sixteen hundred is a, yeah, that's a pretty special boat and from a just from a nerdy point of view i climbed into every nook and cranny of that boat and it ticks every box just the, the literally that i mean it, without kind of like wishing to give the game away about how obsessed i am with weird little nerdy things the construction of that boat the finer points of like the steering mechanisms it like i'm like okay they know what they're doing here so number two would be the c1600 yeah number three um maybe we have a different idea about number three i'm gonna say Exquisite X5, and oh. not that I would want one. Okay. And I'm going to quantify that by saying that we talked very a lot to Tamas and his team at Exquisite. Mm. He is so passionate about that boat, um, and I. It's not for us. It's not performance oriented. It's but the it is so beautiful and well built inside, and you can see the absolute labour of love that it is. Um, so that would be, I'm going to cheat here and say equal 
third, and you're going to add a fourth, which is, and I can write it down on my hand, and I know what you're going to say. Tell me what the fourth is. I was going to say the balance. Oh, okay. What, what did you think I was going to say? The 1260. Oh, I did love the 1260, but yeah, if we're discussing money, no object, I might as well oh, okay. go all out. No, I did love the C-Win 1260 very much. But yeah, the balance uh, 526, I think it yeah. is. Um, that's like a... That's a crazy boat. That's special. That is. Yeah, they're, they're all be very beautiful, yeah. and they all do different things. I, I personally, I don't think. I mean, we probably are experienced, but I don't think we need a fifty-foot boat. There's only two of us. Yeah. You know, it's not like uh, not a catamaran. Definitely not. Oh, we need, catamaran. we'd be living on a thirty-eight-foot monohull. Yeah. You know, if we go to a thirty-eight-foot catamaran, we get two and a half times the living space. <laughs> so you know, what are we going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So like, literally a fifty fifty-three-foot racing catamaran comes like screaming into the marina me wearing a top hat and like flashing my silver top cane while trying to anchor using some you know, integrated system that has been that you don't put, understand yeah i don't understand i just push the button darling and the golden anchor will fall to the sea floor no, no 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 we don't need that sort of space okay so i'm sure um we know you've been on tons of cats and i'm sure you've been on tons of monoholes as well have you ever had a dream monohull Yes. Yes. We're on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So no. So for what we are doing, for what we have done in the last six or seven years, um, if I had to make all the choices again and know that it was going to, that from say for instance we were going to leave in 2020 and go to 2025, and we were going to do exactly the circuit that we have just done, I would still buy the same boat. Which I, I'm not just trying to make sure you know convince myself that I made the right decision all those years ago. That boat that we've got is beautiful. It is a real home to us. The aft cabin is palatial for a 38-foot boat. Mm. Um, we can get into under a metre of water in the Bahamas, so we can get to anchorages where only cats can get to. We can drop the keel, and she is safe across oceans, and I absolutely love our boat. So for what we've done in a five-year circuit, an Atlantic circuit, Caribbean, Europe, we've got the perfect boat. Yeah, totally. If we had to go to a bigger boat, um, and again, we're talking money, no object here. Um, I have two that I probably would go to straight away. The first is the Amal, I think, is it the Amal 54? The Ketch. No. The, well, the Amal 55 is, I think, the most recent. But that's, that's a sloop. No, the 50 and the 60 are the sloop. So 50, okay, five. okay, so yeah, yeah. so 55. Yeah. So I, I, I've got a hankering for an Amal, I think it's a 55, yeah, but the Amal 55 Ketch. Um, which is like the the newer version of Delos's boat. I really do like the thought of a catch, and the Amel Fifty Five is beautiful down below. And Henry Amel, the designer, he is he is clever. There's so many features built into those Amels that are like all right, that that is you know he built by sailors. The second boat that I would buy if I was a monohull, and this is only if we're doing high latitude stuff, is a Puffin Fifty, which no one's ever heard of. <laughs> no, I have not. But it's a steel. It's a steel Dutch built sloop, you know, beautiful thing, real traditional looking thing. You know, looks like a looks like a gentleman's saloon bar down below. Really beautiful pilot pilot cutter, pilot house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you? I've always liked the oysters. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm expensive taste. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're beautiful boats, oysters. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go back uh, real quick because I'm fascinated by it, and, and that's the, the, the performance and the weight and the balance of all that. Um, everything on a boat is a sacrifice, and as you mentioned, you know, you could have big, wide, high-volume hulls or super narrow, racy, low-volume hulls, and, and then anywhere in between. And 
basically the amount of weight those holes can carry are kind of defined by the designer, right? So it, there's kind of a, um, a limit, yeah. you know, that the, the designer said. Anyway, you guys sound like you're somewhere in the middle with what you want there. You don't want a big conamaran or, and you don't want a super, super racy boat with super narrow holes because you want, right. you know, um, a washing machine and things like that. Or, a, um, yeah, wash, a, uh, whatever you call it, washing machine. Anyway, where... What do you call a washing machine in America? <laughs> like things, washer, washer, washer. <laughs> They're all things that are just... I don't, I don't he remember. hasn't been doing laundry in a very long time. I've been hand washing all this stuff. That's why he doesn't know. Anyway, I'm curious for you guys. So, I mean, there. it sounds like you guys are in, in between somewhere. And there is going to be a limit in terms of how much you can load this boat up, as, as you kind of had mentioned. How are you guys going to deal with that? limit and like where are you gonna where are you gonna draw the line and how are you gonna decide that with what you can have on this boat and what you can't well as we talked about the the, the limitations of the physics we talked before about a 40-foot catamaran with fine holes having let the storage space and little loading capacity we you know have made no secret that we're looking for something you know 45 foot ish now that then gives us a, you know an ability to load a considerably more without affecting the trim so we have to, we're working very closely with the designer to work on weights and what we're going to add to the boat, what we're going to take away from the boat and what we're allowed to put on the boat without affecting it. Now this boat, we can have a washing machine on her. We can put a gen set on her. We can put, you know, big air conditioning, air conditioning on yeah. her without losing the trim. We are also working very closely to make sure that we, we have decided against a gen set because, you know, we don't need one if we go down the lithium battery, you know, and the renewables route. So we... Having lived for so many years without a dishwasher, we don't need one. So the things, you know, we, we're not going to suddenly go, well, actually, well, I, I need my, you know, my dishwasher and we need our bowling alley and our, <laughs> our pool table. It's not those things that we need to, to put onto a boat, but the washing machine is essentially, it, it is a luxury item, but, you know, that is probably the only big ticket item that we're going to yeah. have. Yeah, so we, we essentially spoke to the manufacturer about what we really wanted on board. And it's just part of an ongoing conversation, yeah. really, where they say we, we say to them, we want this. And they say, well, you know, maybe we can try and find a way of doing it. And, you know, it's, it's about a, a partnership working together to make sure that, you know, um, that the, the boat still performs really well and that they are obviously building a boat that they, they, they love and that they're proud of. Um, and also, you know, a boat that we um, are, you know, essentially designing for our purposes as well. So I think that the idea is that it's just an ongoing conversation and we anticipate we might have to make some compromises and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we trust them. They, they're amazing um, builders. They, they build amazing boats. So we know that the boat we end up with is going to be perfect. I mean, just a, just a, a, you know, a quick exclusive to, to, to you. We've actually spent an hour and a half doing a, a walkthrough of this boat on, you know, looking at the, the naval architect's designs. And like it a is, digital walkthrough. Yeah, a digital walkthrough, yeah. And it is stunning like it is literally i'm like oh my god it's this amazing. is and I, I just said to myself i'm not blowing smoke up your ass here but this is literally everything we want from a boat it, it, it ticks every box um so yeah so we we have pretty high hopes for this boat as a, a you know a, a dedicated blue water passage making catamaran that's perfect that that will that digital walkthrough be available publicly or not or is that in the future maybe yes it will i mean we i think we talked to the manufacturer um or we talked to them last week and realistically um, they 
Um, they have the design ready to go. I think that at the moment their stance and their position, which is exactly the same as ours, is that there is too much going on in the world now and the, you know for them to be you know putting out a new boat it's it's slightly distasteful while the world is in such a you know a, a, a pretty awful situation so i think we want to kind of get the get you know get people fixed get the get the planet back on track and then look to you know unveiling a new design i think you know it's 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 pretty crass to go da da look what we've got when people are suffering so uh, we're fully on board with that that you know we will wait for a time when you know is right so yeah. we were meant to announce you know over the next month or so but we talked to them they talked to us and we're like we all agreed yeah let's just let's just you know wait till it wait wait a bit okay so when the planet is back in working order and everyone is safe and healthy where you mentioned it a little bit where do you plan to sail and could you have done it in your current boat uh yes uh so the second answer is yes we could have done it in our current boat we chose not to where we plan to sail um we i desperately have a hankering to come back and see you guys in the caribbean um and then for us we we tossed almost came to tossing a coin on whether to go to panama when we were living in charleston and that's the first place we're going so we'll do a season in the caribbean and then through panama and then across the pacific and really you know you mentioned earlier in this interview you know people saying oh we're going to circumnavigate we've never said we're going to circumnavigate because it sets the bar ridiculously high so i think we have got a plan to spend the next five years with our new boat sailing if we can get her to australia then that i would consider that to be a win and then after that we'll just see that's great. Yeah, I, I like that plan. I, I've thought about that as well, like s having a goal of circumnavigating. We, we Same thing with us. We have no goal of circumnavigating. I, there's some places in, I mean, it'd be great to see all these different places throughout the world, but like some places I just don't have a deep desire to go. And I'd like to spend as much time as possible in the places we want to be. And French Polynesia, I think for us is one of them. But like yeah. we talked about with you guys on your podcast, um, we're kind of limited by where Jetty can go at the moment. But right. anyway, yeah. just touch yeah. on that. So, yeah. not, so the fact that Tiapu's there. Are you going to serve Tiapu? Chapu. 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 How do you pronounce that? Chapu. Yeah. Chapu. Yeah, I, 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 I started training yesterday for it. <laughs> Did you? Nice. Would you, no, would, would, you, get would you serve that? We're actually... Uh, uh, no. Maybe on a small day. I mean, it's uh, no, not on like the magazine days. I mean, if I train for years and years, we're actually supposed to get a big swell here in Saint in the Caribbean tomorrow, starting. So nice, nice, in. awesome. But, um, I wanted to say. I mean, do you have any more questions? Um, I think the last question was just if someone with no experience but a dream to live on a boat and see beautiful places came up to you and asked whether they should get a monohull or a catamaran. That's all the information you have. What would you tell them? I tell them to buy neither and to go and charter one for about three or four months in the location that they propose to sail. Three or four months. Perfect answer. Well, no, because look, you can do long-term charters. I mean, we know we've met couples that have got six, eight weeks sure, on a charter. Yeah. And realistically, you but you charter a cat for say you charter a cat for six weeks. It's going to cost you less than twenty thousand dollars, probably, if you get a good charter out of season. And that is going to be a hell of a lot less than the commission you'll pay to the broker if you have to sell the boat you've bought back. I would say that it doesn't matter. We're all in the same anchorage, and honestly, you know, whether you buy a catamaran or monohull, you're going to love 
doing what you do and really at the end of the day we're, we're all watching the same sunset and we're all swimming off the, the back of the boat the same way so yeah I would say that, it, that that's not people get very caught up on that but I think just just buy the boat that you fall in love with yeah well put, well put. And on that similar subject, and we talked about it before, I asked you, um, you know, uh, about learning to sail, and you touched on the maintenance. I got to agree with you on that. Like, it's definitely much easier to maintain and learn to maintain a smaller boat and things like that. But in terms of sailing and learning to sail specifically, even if it's just like day sailing or anything like that, and I, I'm just going to say what I think, and I want to hear your guys' uh, opinion on it. I tell people, you know, to... and probably join a boat club or get on a friend's boat absolutely and it's easier to learn to sail like actually to sail on a smaller monohull um because it's more forgiving um it it's harder to get yourself to break you know get yourself in trouble or to break the boat i'd say it's a little more forgiving in that regard as well um and yeah you just you just learn i feel like you learn quicker that was something when we moved on to this boat this catamaran the only sailing experience i had was on a small 26 foot monohull and then you know i've been kiteboarding my whole life which that was another learning experience to take that into sailing but then to come from our 26 foot monohull to this catamaran and this is a responsive catamaran but it was like a learning curve to take the feel and especially when you're talking about like um being powered up and stuff and then just understand how that's affecting the boat and what your limits are um what do you guys think of that I think that, you know, I, I think probably, Billy, that you underestimate how, how much knowledge that you have. And I think for someone learning to sail, the, the slight discrepancy between sailing, you know, a powered up catamaran or a powered up monohull is probably lost on people just learning. I think learning the basics of sailing, I agree with you, is best done on a small boat. And I also agree with you that going to a local sailing club is the best way to get into this. And I remember before I bought my first boat, before, you know, years before, my next door neighbor when I was at university, you know, in my residence, he was a sailor and he was trying to convince me years ago to buy a sailing boat or get into sailing. And I remember him saying to me, he goes, when the sailing bug, if it bites, you'll never shift it. It is the most addictive thing you will ever find. And he was right, you know, and I, I told him subsequently many times since. So, you know, getting into sailing doesn't need to be, ah, oh, let's go and buy a boat because you can put yourself off sailing by getting yourself, getting out of your comfort zone too quickly by, you know, either being offshore and really, or having maintenance issues you can't deal with. And one thing to really up the level of anxiety or stress that you're going to undergo is actually the ownership of a boat. If you're mm. part of a sailing club, you're crewing with people that are more experienced, you're not in charge, you can learn things in a sedate and comfortable way. And most of the people that we know that that still love sailing started off that way and contrarily we've told a story many times about you know people especially you know that a couple of american people that just decided i'm going to retire i'm going to spend a million dollars on a catamaran it's my first boat and i'm off and then all of a sudden you know you're like what have i done and they panic and it, it just goes wrong so it really it's like any sport surfing probably kites kiteboarding you know s skiing snowboarding sailing if you take on too much too fast and you lose control of your comfort zone you won't enjoy it and then you scare yourself and then it's more difficult so small steps it has to be done you can't rush it you honestly can't rush it yeah i, I completely agree with you and and you can get outside your comfort zone in all different respects um i mean financially you can get in over your head and and then 
just doing the maintenance, doing the repair, stuff like that. You could get in over your head. And then in terms of just kind of being scared physically on the boat, I, you know, all of them can, can kind of spoil the sailing experience. But yeah, I completely agree. If you start slow and go out on other people's boats, more yeah. experienced people, you can really um, get your foot wet and, and, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, totally. Uh, well, and the other thing is just to uh, just to finish off on that point, because sailing is normally you know kiteboarding and surfing and skiing, it's no, they're normally solo pursuits. Whereas so sailing for the four of us, we do it as two couples. It is something you've got to be mindful of that where you, where, you know at the point at which one of you is at the edge of their comfort zone, the other person could be way out of their comfort zone and scared, and you have to work to the person who is you know, the least uh, likely to kind of like, you know, you've got to work, make sure that you, you keep both people within their comfort zone. And that is not always an easy thing to do. Yeah, that must be challenging for Teresa to kind of tone it back to keep you in your in your comfort zone. <laughs> hey, joking aside. No, no, joking aside. She's a better sailor. It's than all going to be no, okay. No, as, I, as I weep, <laughs> weep into my blankie. In a cup of tea. Uh. <laughs> but, like, oh, yeah, but, but she, her, from a point of view of comfort zone, I think that she, Teresa, is a, literally chronologically the experience. I've been sailing for longer, but all the passages that I have done in the last five years, she's been on them with me. You know, she is, she doesn't get seasick as much as I do. You know, you, you, you're not as temperamental as I am, you're no. not as moody as I am. Uh, you know, and you know, you get so she's a, in many ways a much better sailor than I am. So, you know, being a good sailor is not about how quickly you can get from A to B. It's how you manage yourself and the people on board. So, yeah, joking aside, she's a pretty awesome sailor. And I when he, I go into my local brownie points for that. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what? Literally, when I go into the pub with my mates on a Friday night, it's a big sailing community down on in Kent. That's what they always say. Is like, ah, you know, you're lucky to have Teresa because she's that much better. She's a better sailor than you. I'm like, yeah, she is. They do say that. Well, yeah. I'm fairly sure they say it to Royal Nick up, but you know, I'll still take it. Yeah, there you go. Take the win. <laughs> That's great. That that could be a whole another podcast episode. Just you know, you, your significant other on the boat with you, and how how that relationship works, and how you got you balance that. I mean, that'd be fun to talk. Well, about funny you should say that, time. Billy, because we just did a podcast on that very subject. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> so wait, people can wait. go to our website. And did you have? Did you have someone on for it? No, no, no. We do. We just, just talked about our experience. Just us yeah. banging okay. on about stuff. You know how it works. <laughs> yeah, because we've been on a boat it, for five years together, and you know, there's there's challenges in terms of. of is it like? Did you guys post that live already? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been out. It's been out about a week. Oh, okay, it's sorry. called um, "How to Go Sailing with Your Other Half and Not End Up Divorced." I th you know what? I probably did see that. Sorry. In it's passing. okay. I'll, I'll it's okay, Billy. Don't, don't worry. We'll give you a pass. We, we, we get your pass again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, you don't have any questions. No, yet. I think well, it would just I, go into where else can people find you. So you have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, you have a YouTube channel that did all these reviews on catamarans and adventures. And let me adventures. say, like, everything we kind of talked about, conversed through this conversation is, is you guys talk about in your, especially your catamaran review videos, and you touch on all the safety right. and what you do like and don't like about all the boats you've been on yep. and that's yeah that's on your youtube yeah channel. so right. tell us tell everyone where they can find you right so if you google sailing ruby rose or put it into your favorite search engine um then uh you will find our youtube channel which as you've said has loads of catamaran reviews but also loads of uh vlogs of us sailing we did the french canals most recently but we've also crossed the atlantic as i said south the caribbean etc so people can find loads of sailing content on our youtube channel um nick also does a regular technical um series 
series so he we call it technical tuesdays so we talk a lot about more technical aspects of living on a boat and sailing and um otherwise we have a podcast as well called the boat life um so yep just search for the boat life and we also have a website we're obviously all over social media so yeah people will be able to find us no problem sailing ruby rose in fact it's actually more difficult to not find us we're just everywhere but... <laughs> <laughs> we're like those adverts for lawyers <laughs> you can't get away with them <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for letting you us again. ask you all these questions. Yeah, and it's a I pleasure. think everyone probably got a lot of information out of this. And yeah, and thank you guys again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon again. Hopefully, on another yeah, podcast will. episode. You will do. Yeah, looking Absolutely. forward to that. All right, listen. Nice to talk hopefully to you. We'll see you even sooner. You will do. <laughs> that yeah. would be nice. That would be yeah. very nice. <laughs> all right. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers. <laughs>